Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spirit of the Lord is here. Jesus, yes, Lord. A miracle can happen here right now. Do we believe that? Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, come fill this place. Fill each home who is watching us online. Let us feel your presence. Let us sense your kingdom come here on earth, here in Baltimore, here at the BMI Pavilion as it is in heaven. Thank you for just sending your spirit here. I ask these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So we're kicking off our summer series this week, and it's called Songs of the Summer. And so whether you are someone who is a big music buff, like I know John Crooks is, or you're someone like me who likes music but really doesn't, can't really hear a lot of the differences that everyone else talks about, but music is something that I think all of us have experienced, that song that transports you to a different time in your life, right? It evokes an emotion that you maybe haven't felt before um, in years. There is something about music and songs that just has such power. And there's a scientific reason why, and I'm going to tell you. So why is it, and most of us would probably say that the songs that evoke the biggest emotions are coming from, are usually coming from that like adolescent, early adulthood shot time like from maybe like 12 through 25. Or maybe it's tapping into a really strong emotional experience that you had. And so the reason that it's kind of triggering that those songs sound so much better is because that's the time that we're really forming our identity. That's the time we're starting to figure out who we are, what we like, how to have friends outside of our family, how to build relationships. And so the, that's part of the reason why there is this emotional connection to those, um, those times in our lives. So when we hear a song, it activates so many different parts of your brain depending on what it is that you're doing when you listen to that song. So when you first hear it, it's kind of just stimulating our auditory cortex and we hear the rhythms and the melodies and the harmonies and it's kind of that surface kind of level that you might hear, hear the song. If you start singing along to it in your head, you're going to activate another part of your brain called the premotor pre cortex that helps to plan and coordinate movements. If you start dancing and moving your body, then it starts synchronizing neurons with the beat of the music. And then when you start paying more attention to the lyrics and the instrumentation, you activate a different part of your brain. And so and it lets you to shift and maintain and listen to lots of different stimuli. So, your brain is in overdrive when you are listening to a song. And it's, that is why you can form such deep connections, such memories, such emotions that can happen. You can, there's been brain imagery showing that when we listen to our favorite songs, that pleasure circuit, that of dopamine and serotonin, oxytocin, all those things that you've heard of related to like 
love or to different drugs, those are the same things that are stimulated when you just listen to your favorite songs. And the more you like it, the more that bliss kind of happens. So we're talking about songs of the summer, and we're going to be in the book of Psalms. And so just as songs can evoke so many different emotions, the Psalms capture almost any emotion that you could feel. One of my favorite things is sometimes when I don't have words to pray, because my emotions are so overwhelmed, I can go to the Psalms and I can find a Psalm that summarizes what I'm feeling and redirects me and frames those emotions and how I should be relating back to God. Just as those songs that were popular for us and the ones that have imprinted as we've grown up, I would argue the Psalms should be the ones that become imprinted on us as we continue to grow up in Christ. And that is a process we might have finished growing up years ago, but we are still all and we will continue growing up in Christ. And these Psalms are a way to continue to imprint on each of us. The Psalms of sorrow can help us to see how we can relate to God in moments of trouble. The Psalms of rejoicing can help us see how to relate to God in our moments of triumph. The Psalms of thanksgiving can help us see how to relate to God in our times of plenty. And it is my hope and my prayer that as we go through this series, that these Psalms, at least one of them this summer, sticks to you. Sticks to you in the same way that you have that emotional connection to that song from your childhood. Because it hits you with what you're feeling, with where you are, with the world, and with God right now. This week, we're kicking off with our psalm series with the first part of Psalm 147. Let me read it to you. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the exiles of Israel, he heals the brokenhearted, and he binds their wounds. He determines the number of stars, and he calls them each by name. Great is our Lord, and mighty in power, his understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise, and make music to our God on the harp. In case you didn't catch it, this is a psalm of praise. It is as part of a series of psalms, at the last part of this book, that is praising God for a time when he reigns and will triumph over evil. This idea of when God will reign and he, we will see his triumph over evil evokes this idea of heaven to me, because that is what we are waiting for. That is what we will see in heaven. And as we're kicking off with the series of songs, this is connected to two songs from my childhood, songs from my very first cassette tape and songs from my very first CD. Um, so the song from my very first cassette tape is from Belinda Carlisle, Heaven is a Place on Earth, from back in the 80s, in case any of you remember that one. And my first CD was Ace of Base a Sign, for those of you who remember that. So we're going to look at how this idea of a spirit of praise interconnects with this idea of seeing heaven here on earth and the signs there. And so the title of today's sermon is Signs of Heaven on Earth. So heaven, God meant, uh, Bob, Bob mentioned that last week. He's talking about how, you know, harps, we think about harps. And this psalm even mentions harps. And you think about why would I want to go to heaven just to be surrounded by people playing on harps? 
And it sounds, yeah, it sounds boring. Um, but what he talked about and what is so true is the imagery that is used is not meant to be literal. It is trying to put to words something that has no words. And so when we talk about heaven on earth, we, it's hard for us, right? Because we have no context for it. And all we can think about is a bunch of people running around in white robes and playing the harps. And that's not what we're going to be talking about today. And you can say, what do you mean by heaven and earth? It is something that we sung about here. It is something in the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We don't need to wait for heaven to be praying and seeing God's reign. We don't need to wait for heaven to see his goodness and his love. It happens here, right here on earth. Mention this with a psalm of praise. And so I was thinking about it, I was preparing this, and I was like, that word praise, aside from in the church sense, it's kind of hard for me to think about how that relates to God, because my first thought about praise, when I think about God, is giving thanks. But it's so much more than just giving thanks. It's part of it, but it's not the whole thing. And then when I think about giving praise in my like normal, you know, day-to-day -day life, you think about parents praising children, good job for finishing your meal, good job for using the potty. That, that's the type of praise you might think about. Or as a student, you might think about a teacher praising you for a good job on the paper or doing a good job on the test. As adults, we might be looking for praise from our bosses that we've done the job that we're wanting to do. To do. And we often equate praise with just looking to being told you're doing a good job. And so when you think about praise like that, you're like, why does God need, to tell me, need me to tell him that he's doing a good job? Like, that doesn't, sound, that doesn't sound quite right. So the other side of praise that I think about in the um, world is when we praise people for doing something extraordinary. I like to go to the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, and so when I go and I sit there to those concerts, I praise them for their talent with my applause and my ovation. And I am praising them because they are doing something that I could never do. When you're at a baseball game or you see a, uh, an athlete, you praise them for their athletic ability and it's an amazing feat because it's something you can't do. And so maybe when you're thinking about praise, you're like, oh, maybe it's more like that one, right? Like praising something for something that we can't do, which is true, it's part of that. But the one distinction that I would say is, is that I'm not looking to get up there with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra and play. I'm not looking to jump onto Camden Field and uh, be an outfielder with the Orioles. But as Christians, we are called to be co-laborers and reflect God's power and glory in the way that we interact with one another. So the praise that we give is a reminder to us of who he is. And one of the uh, translations of the first word praise here in that psalm was this idea of shine. And I was thinking of reflecting, reflecting God's power and goodness. And that's what we're called to do. So we're not just called to be spectators. We're not just called to give this perfunctory, oh, good job, God, you got that. We are called to both recognize what it is that he is doing and then join in on that. You know, I was thinking about the best example of this is my godson. And he, when he was little, I was staying up at their house. And I was taking a shower. And he yells in there, Aunt Kristen, 
do you have enough soap? Yes, yes, I've got enough soap. Thanks, thanks, thanks for checking. He's like, okay, you okay in there? Yes, I'm good, I'm good. You stay out there, I'm, I'm gonna finish my shower. And then he, um, when I come out, he's like, good job. And you're clean. I'm like, yes, I'm clean, good job. And so, you know, it's that idea, in some ways I think that might be a bit of us with God, right? Like, we do recognize, like, look at that sunset, look at that sunrise, that's amazing. And God's like, yeah, yeah, I got that. But then he was also reluctant because he was learning how to bathe himself. He was learning all those adult things. And he thought it was amazing because he was working to do that too. And that is what we are called to do as Christians, right? We are called to continue to allow ourselves to be transformed and become more and more into his image and to do that work. When we praise God, we are reflecting on the greatness and vastness of who God is compared to us. Praising God is not for him. It is for us. Because, not because he needs to be told that he's doing a good job, but because we need to reflect and recognize who God is, what his power is, what he can do. And it is that spirit that allows us to face whatever it is that we're going through. As we recognize and reflect who God is in our praise, these are signs of heaven on earth. And I mentioned that one of my favorite songs growing up was the Ace of Base song, the, the Sign. And the lyric there is, I saw the sign and it opened up my eyes. Now what the singers were actually singing about is a little bit ambiguous, at least to me. But what I'm going to say is that we all can recognize that moment when we saw the sign and we saw something that we failed to recognize before. I know for me, sometimes I look across the skyline of Baltimore and a new company has put their sign up on a building and I see that building in a new way that I hadn't before. I had seen that building hundreds of times, but because there was a new sign there, I'm looking at it in a different way. We're both called to see God's signs here of heaven on earth, but we are also called to be part of making signs for others to see heaven here on earth. And so in this psalm, I'm saying there are three signs here that we can both see and be part of making. The first sign are signs of love. So Belinda Carlisle's song, Heaven is a Place on Earth, they say, her lyric opens, they say in heaven, love comes first. We'll make heaven a place on earth. They say in heaven, love comes first. Belinda Carlisle equates heaven here on earth with the priority of love, love coming first. It's a priority, and it's right in line with the greatest commandment, love God and love others. I'm not quite sure what love Belinda Carlisle was talking about, but we as Christians know when we talk about love, we know we can go to that commandment. We know that we are called to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and we are called to love others as ourselves. But what does this love actually look like? And that could be a whole sermon. It could be a whole sermon series on its own. But it's easy to become in this world disillusioned of what love is. We see Hollywood and we see the TV shows of this romantic love as the definition of love. Or we see beyond these romantic tropes, these very idealistic versions of family and friends. And our lives can feel messy and not feel like, what's, do we have love? Do we have those relationships? Because it doesn't fit what we're seeing on the screen. But the love that's 
we're talking about is so much more than just those little things that can fit into a 30-minute sitcom or into a two-hour movie. We see it here in verses 2 and 3 in that psalm. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. God cares for the least of these. Those are the people that we are called to love. Matthew 25, 40 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for, did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we love, we need to care for not who the world prioritizes, but who God prioritizes. For the exiles, for those who don't have a place, who might not feel like they belong, who don't have a home, figuratively or literally. When we care for the brokenhearted, those who are lost, those who are sad, who are lonely, those, when we care for those, those are the signs of love. These groups of exiles and brokenhearted are not hypothetical people or just words on a psalm. I would say that there are probably those of you here who feel like you don't belong, who feel you are a little bit lost, who feel brokenhearted. And I want to say you are loved, you are seen, and you are loved. There is no group of people that God forgets. If anything, the ones that the world forgets are the ones that God wants to elevate. And it is when we see that love on those folks, that is signs of heaven here on earth. When we show love to those people, to those around us, that are signs of heaven here on earth. The second sign that I want to talk about for heaven on earth is signs of omnificence. It's a big word here. What it means is unlimited creative power. And we see this in verses 4 and 5. He determines the number of stars, and he calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. God's creation. Probably your first thought when you say God's creation is you think about the vastness. You think about Genesis, maybe, and, you know, he spoke, and there were all of the fish in the sea, and there was light, and there was land and sea and dark and that's true and that is part of God's creation and we think of it in these big terms but just as God can create an entire ocean he also knows every hair on our head he knows every star in the sky so our God is a God of greatness and vastness and he is also a God of the tiny little details Those tiny details, when we talk about, we've talked here at church, for those of you who've been with us, you've probably heard us talk about looking for the image of God, that everyone is an image bearer of God that you encounter. And sometimes it's a little bit harder to see that image in that person, maybe. But when we talk about both the vastness, each of us, the miracle of living that Belinda Carlisle said, us being alive is a miracle, the miracle of life. And also every small detail about us, every line on our face, every hair on our head, how many gray hairs we have or hairs that we don't have, God knows. And all of those, all of the little details, all the little parts of our life are ways that you can see God reflected in another person. 
we talk about this idea of needing to, of wanting to see the image of God in others, and it doesn't go with just the people that look like you, that work at the same places of work, that have the same education as you, or from the same neighborhood as you. God's image is in everyone. And when we allow ourselves to be surrounded by people who aren't like us, we get a fuller picture of who God is because we see more of his image. This idea that we talk about of reconciling people to God and to one another and to see this diverse ground is a reflection of what heaven can be. In Revelation 9.9 it says, And I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before God. Signs of heaven on earth mean signs of God's power of creation, mean signs of God's omnificence. In heaven, we're going to be surrounded by people of all races and ethnicities and cultures. And here at Grace City, it's such a privilege to get to worship together because we are surrounded by that here. And it is a small glimpse of heaven here on earth talked about some of us will say good, our Good Friday service for those of you who joined us. We were at Leadenhall Baptist, two churches, very different and yet joined together in our love of Christ, coming together to worship during Holy Week was a picture of heaven here on earth. It can be hard to take the time to really get to know someone, to have a chance to really see that unique image of God in them. You know, we come here on a Sunday, you may wave to someone, you may talk to someone in five minutes. That may not be enough time. And so we've worked and we are trying to have more opportunities for us to do that here as a church together. You've seen us over the past few months celebrate Women's History Month, Black History Month, Asian American Pacific Islander History Month, and it's not because we're trying to be trendy. It's because these times of getting just a small glimpse of someone else's culture, to hear maybe a word or a, uh, from a different author that you might not have read because it's not in your circle. It might not be this huge step forward, but it is a small step forward to us to get to know, to get to see that image of God in another culture, in another person that maybe has been neglected that isn't part of the mainstream, so we don't see it as often. And that is why we celebrate those months. This summer, there are gonna be several opportunities. We have one coming up in just over a week for our flavor groups. And this is an opportunity for those of you who haven't been with us through an iteration of that. It is a chance for us to be in safe places and share what our unique experiences are, and then to get to hear from other groups what their experiences are to learn more about one another, to see that image of God in someone else that might not be like you. We're doing a book club, and we'll be talking more about reconciliation, and we're going on a trip to the, Af the National Museum of African American History next month down in D.C. And all of these, while each of those are learning opportunities, but even just showing up and getting to be in community with others from this church are a chance to see God's omnificence. Signs of heaven on earth, seeing image of God in someone else. And I invite you to take advantage of all of these, at least one of these. If you have more questions, come and talk to me after. And I want to close here with my final point. Signs of heaven on earth is signs of praise. 
started the, the psalm started with, praise the Lord, how good is it to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting it is to praise him. When we think about showing signs of praise, we can think about singing, and that is definitely part of it. That's why often the first part is called that praise and worship time, praise and worship bands, song, and for all the reasons that I talked about in that intro about how powerful music is, that is an incredible, powerful way to praise God. But as I also said earlier, praise isn't just about singing a song. Praise is about recognizing God's greatness and our need for him. And it is also a call for us to reflect, to shine through his love and his greatness. When we reflect Christ's love, there are signs of heaven here on earth. When we reflect recognition of God's power in another person, there are signs of heaven on earth. When we reflect God's character and his goodness and praise him, these are signs of heaven here on earth. As the worship team comes up, I want to close on this. Of these signs that I talked about, signs of love and signs of omnificence and now signs of praise, I'm going to say praise is one of the things that will mark us set apart from this world. When we allow a spirit of praise to permeate our soul, it allows us to face the uncertainties and the trials of this world because we know we are praising a God who is greater than anything that we could ever see. We serve a God that is so much greater than we could ever imagine. And when we praise him for that, when we allow ourselves that recognition, that reflection of that, it is a true sign of heaven here on earth. So what does this look like for us? And so what I want us to do today as we close, is I want us to close praying the Lord's Prayer. Because captured in this prayer is so much of his love, of his magnificence, and this idea of seeing here heaven on earth. When we look at the actual pr the prayer, it doesn't say, my God, mine, me, bless me. It says, our God talks about us because we are a community and we are one church together and that is showing his love and recognizing that we all need one another and that we see the image of God in each other. So I want us to stand together and pray the Lord's Prayer. We're going to use the word trespasses, not debtor, in case anyone has any anxiety which version we're using. And I want us to let these words sink in of what it looks like to praise and to love and to understand God's creation as we look to see God's heaven as a place on earth, as we say, his kingdom come, his will be done. I want you to reflect on that. So let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and glory. Amen. Let us worship together. Thank you, Pastor Christine. Let's sing one more.